Welcome, everybody, back to the podcast. This is Salt Light in the City. Um, my two co-hosts are currently <laughs> laughing at me, um, but we're in a really good mood. It's Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, as other denominations call it, but he's risen. Hallelujah. We have a lot to talk about. Um, so we begin in prayer, as we always do, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for all of those who you accepted into your church last night, all the new people to celebrate, and your victory over the grave. Lord, we can truly say, oh, death, where is your power? Sin, where is your sting? Because we know and we trust in you who is the light that is greater than all darkness, that expels our d- all darkness, that no darkness that we have, that even if we want to hide it from you, there's no darkness that your light cannot overcome. We ask St. Paul to intercede for us as we pray. St. Paul, we ask that you would shine your light upon us. Help us to see through our closed eyes. Enlighten us with your words and help us keep them close to our hearts. Lead us to our strength, which is him when we feel weak, because his power is made perfect in weakness. Shine your light, and we will follow. We ask all this in the name of Christ Jesus, the Almighty, the Risen, who is Lord forever and ever. Amen. St. Paul, pray Pray for for us. St. James the Greater, pray Pray for for us. St. Mary Magdalene, pray Pray for us. All right. So I have two co-hosts with me today. Or tonight, um, Luke is one of them. Yep, good to be back. And we got one new person to introduce, the last person in the crew, Alora. Hello, my name is Alora, and I am Enzo's social media manager, and also his girlfriend. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was allowed to say that, but I <laughs> there's a little <laughs> pause in there. I mean, yeah. Um, also, uh, if y'all have been keeping track of the Instagram or just been following along or know me as a friend, then you'll know that Allie got baptized last night. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) My name is also Allie, but y'all can call me Alora. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so she got baptized last night and it was just it was the craziest mass um in i just just ever i think um for both me and laura um i mean now he hasn't been in the church for that long it's it's really only been about a a 10 month a 10 month ordeal for me Ordeal. Ordeal. I think that's the wrong word. Process. I'm sorry. Maybe <laughs> process. Look, <laughs> look. Okay. Grab this. Just like okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Should we try that again? No, it's fine. Okay. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scratch it. I think we need to restart. <laughs> it's uh, it's too much. Completely. No, actually, in, in theme of today's episode, I think the journey is well. Journey is definitely the better word because it's all been amazing, but it certainly has been one one heck of a ride. There you go. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's no, good. That's, that's, yeah. Um, and just picking off of that, I think we'll start and go with our saint of the week. 
And our saint this week is St. James the Greater. Um, now, compared to St. James the Lesser, first to clarify, just because he's called the Greater doesn't mean that he's, like, more important or anything. It just it literally just means he's taller. That's it. Um, and this is James, the brother of John, um, a son of Zebedee. And this is Big James from Big James the Chosen, right? From the Chosen, yeah, yes. Okay. This is Big James, who is... Big. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, he's most well known for El Camino de Santiago, which is a, if you don't know, it's a pilgrimage um, in Europe from like from Portugal to Spain. And it's something that millions of Catholics do every year. My parents are actually going to be doing it this month of April. And it's something that is very, very awe-inspiring. I mean, it's just based on his story. So St. James the Greater, he went out to preach in Portugal, Spain, France, that sort of area, mostly in Spain. But there was a time where he was preaching there. And then while in Spain, he saw Mary that was, she was just like on a pillar. Um, and it's called Our Lady of the Pillar. And he saw her in 40 A.D., and he was he was being he was extremely stressed about his evangelization. He was extremely distressed about it. And he saw Mary. And shortly after he saw Mary, he went back to Judea where he was beheaded. Um, but you might ask, like, OK, well, why? You know, how is this like what does this have to do? Well, the thing is that, that James in his journey became distressed extremely distressed and he journeyed for so long those who have walked the Camino know just how amazing that journey is but also how grueling it is um, and so seeing Our Lady there and what that meant and then within three years to go back to his death in his home pla- in his home place in his home place you know how does that speak to us how do you how does it speak to us and like for Ali, or even for Luke, who, you know, also a relatively recent convert to his Eastern Orthodox faith. Like, what what does that kind of mean for such a quick turnaround, you know? I think for myself, especially considering how how quickly my conversion has happened, it, it's it's definitely inspiring, possibly even a, a little, b- not not intimidating in a bad way, maybe more so anticipation about what is to come for us in the future, like how how our faith will greatly impact us. Because I, I'll speak a little bit on it later, at least I hope I can get into it. It's the things that I've experienced already, the blessings I've received already. So I, it's very exciting to hear that. Right, and for mine, it was similar. It was, I think it was about 10 months actually me too where it was the okay catechumen process and then that pascha which pascha is the pascha is the celebration of easter in the west or sorry east as we call it uh which is going to be this coming sunday so then ah he's still fasting okay buddy relax (laughs) i didn't i didn't eat cupcakes when it was your first week of lent or anything no i what do you mean i did not it's on a sunday okay never mind (laughs) anyways cupcakes aside Cupcakes aside, uh, you've made me lose my train of thought. It was, okay, process. It, it really was sort of 
it, it was it seemed quick, but in hindsight, it was it was a constant process before I knew it that I was really journeying towards orthodoxy and towards ancient Christianity before I knew that's where I was headed. So there's that idea with, if you read, I always, I keep talking about the Divine Comedy, man. I need to find some other. Hey, we love the Divine Comedy, yeah. man. That's, I mean, hey, it's what we're studying with. It's, a, it's one of our main resources. Right. But is, as Dante and Virgil descend into hell, because of the geography and the way that Dante's world is structured, they don't get to the bottom of hell and then turn around and they're like, okay, well, now we got to go back up. Let's go to purgatory. Let's go to heaven. They keep going in the same direction. So even though they don't know that they're going, okay, this is the route to paradise, they're still going in the same direction. They're always going the same way. So even though I didn't know maybe that my path was leading me to ancient Christianity or ancient orthodoxy, I was really being led there through my education, through my friends, even before I was a catechumen. So it's it oh. seems like a short journey, but in hindsight, it really was begun from much, much longer before. Mm. I think that, I mean, that's a very good point that he makes, that our journey starts before we even, like, claim it to start or before we even think it to start, right? Kind of flashing back to last week about how we talked about taking action and how, you know, we might be losing time. Well, in the same way, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I truly believe that. Right. Right. You, the past can tell you and show you how God's hand has been working in your life. And I think that's one of the most incredible things. So to say, like, my journey started really before, like, well before I even thought it did, you know. Can I just say, so we'll get into it as well, but for me, what was it? It was June when we met, right? Enzo and I. It was June when Enzo and I met of last year. And I had just found him on Instagram. I don't, I'm, I was looking through his profile and I thought it was really cool. I mean, I could, I could tell you were Catholic, but I didn't know really even, I mean, I knew it was a religion obviously, but it just, I was like, okay, it was not really much of a thought that I went into. I was more interested in your soccer that you played. Football, sorry. Yeah, but football. <laughs> Whoa. Appreciate it. Um, but, you know, as the months went on, it was July 22nd when I proclaimed to myself, we were sitting in St. Mary's Cathedral in Austin, and I proclaimed to myself that this, that I was going to do this. I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to trust, because that's all it takes, right, is that for you to have even just a mustard seed of faith, which... I've been told a lot of my adolescent life, but I didn't really believe that, right? So, and then the months continue, and I'm like, what am I getting myself into? And I started having those thoughts, but I was, like, pretty fully immersed before I even, like, realized what was happening around me. But I, I say that, like, endearingly, not in a negative kind of scary way. And it really, you know, you used to always tell me, once you say yes... What, what was it about the door? I think it's better if you say, you know what I'm talking about? The door. Of the door, like me being the door? Or no, when you, if you say even just a crack in the door, and it'll, oh, you know, I'm never. Okay. Yeah, so I say that light always overcomes the darkness 100,000, 200,000% of the time. 
And all God is trying, it's like you are in a room that is dark. And all you need to do is crack the door open, even just like the slightest bit, and light will come flooding through. Because light always overcomes the darkness. For me, it was really quickly, like what I was saying, it was all happening ar- like around me. I was becoming very immersed before I even had time to process, like, what was I doing? Um, I will say now, just because it does sound like I'm speaking negatively. I promise it's not, but it was absolutely a hard journey, but I'm so grateful for it, and I got to experience my confirmation or baptism confirmation in first communion last night so like it was all worth it every single minute that I have lived the the last 10 months was worth it for what happened to me last night and for the future that will come yeah and actually what you said about having um just that just say yes and just go on trust (coughs) that was that was something that uh, I did. I kind of forgot about it, but you reminded me. That was that really was how it started for me too. It wasn't like, yes, I have these reasons, and I want to join the church for X, Y, and Z, and because of this theological doctrine that was around in X year or whatever. It was. It really was. Okay, this is interesting. I've I went to a vespers. I went to a liturgy. I was like, okay, I, I really like this. There's something here, and then going through that process of just you know, inquiring and then be like, okay, yeah, this is, this seems good. This is something that I want. And then you come back, you come again, and then you really start to make it your own, like what you said. Was it intimidating for you at first? Yeah, a little. Uh, Coming in where everyone, I don't know if, for the listeners, or I don't know if you've been to any Eastern services. Have Mm -hmm. you, Allie? No, I haven't. Enzo, you have. I, I have, yeah. Okay. But there's, there's a lot more, you make the sign of the cross a lot. Anytime you mention this, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you cross yourself. So a lot of crossing, a lot of singing, a lot of the congregation engaging in singing. And there aren't any worship guides in most uh, Orthodox churches because everyone just knows it because you do it so much. So that was a little bit daunting, and I was kind of looking around like, oh, what is happening? And then just trying to, you know, copy what people were doing around me. But... I, of course, then eventually talked to the priest or talked to some of my friends who were there, and they explained, yeah, this is why we do this. Here's the thing. And I understood it, but it began with just trusting and going along with it first that then led to understanding. It's like, Tom, that was Thomas Aquinas. That's what he would say. Credo ut intelligam. I believe so that I understand. So you start with yeah. the trust. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, I think that's like a perfect segue almost into the verse which Ali if you would like to crack open the Bible to Psalm 23 4 it is even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff comfort me I mean the question that I have for this is like how does it relate to you know our journey, but I, I kind of have the feeling that y'all, y'all covered that amazingly, like, seriously. Um, I know for myself, this, like, this is my faith. This is my faith. Um, Ali spoke a bit earlier about, you know, the mustard seed, and I'm a 
I'm a heavy believer in the mustard seed. With without it, I I'm just not me because, to be honest, you know I I have all these amazing things that I can do. I'm a big action person, and if God tells me to wait, I really, really dislike it because I know He's asking me to have faith in Him, and I know that my faith is small. And there's been things that I've I've been through and I've experienced that have heavily impacted the direction of my life and the direction of my soul. And some of them have been extremely hard, a darkness that I just, darkness, not some that I put on myself, others that I just don't put on myself. And I just question like, why, why, why all this darkness? Why all this darkness? You know, my, my patron mother is Our Lady of Sorrows. And she's one that I heavily take after in terms of, like, how do I suffer? Because Our Lady is one of the people who can show us how, on our journey, how to truly suffer. Because she suffered on Jesus' via de cruz, on the way of the cross. Because if you see it, Mary doesn't suffer any like physical harm nothing actually happens to her but it's everything that happens to her son that she feels you can call it an extreme sense of empathy you know the love of a mother you know the love of a friend whatever that may be she suffered like no other because she saw her son suffering and for me, I just, I literally just realized it this Easter weekend, but that's something that I, I heavily relate to because there are things that have happened to the people around me and I question, Lord, why them and why not me? You know, I have a relatively comfortable life, a relatively easy life. I have all my basic needs. I'm not struggling to make ends meet. I'm going to an amazing college with amazing people and amazing professors. You know, I'm not going through such a hard struggle, but it always feels like I'm going through a hard struggle. And I realize it's not, that's not the focus. It's not because they're suffering and I'm not. The times that my emotions are heightened, especially in regards to suffering, is when other people suffer. When I see other people suffer. Last year, the year 2022, was probably the hardest year for me. At the beginning of the year, three people, three close friends died within the span of four months. I found out that one of our family friends got cancer. I found out that one of our close family relatives was diagnosed with a heart disease or he could die earlier. And all of a sudden, I could possibly have it. I lost my best friend at the time. And things were just falling apart my grades went down the tank and I, I didn't care about it within the month of January my whole family my extended including my extended family that's at least 20 plus people got COVID except me everything was just kind of crumbling and sure not everything was going to, to the bin not everything was going to trash like we, we could make it and I knew we could make it but it was just a really hard time and I just didn't understand. I'm like, Lord, why not? Why not me? I'm okay. 
I, I kept going to school. I kept doing all the things that I was doing. But it felt like I was walking through that valley of the shadow of death with my own two feet walking forward. And one, one might say, like, hey, it's okay for you to do that. Like, you know, you're taking care of your own things. Like, you're, you're taking care of your responsibilities. No one can blame you. And I, I don't care if no one can blame me. What am I supposed to do there? And I understand now, for me, that it comes down to, okay, yeah, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. I want to say something. You said, and this is a thought I'm sure all of us have had, possibly on a daily basis. I know that is definitely something for me that I have thought pretty much on a daily basis is how can I do this? What do I do? Where do I even begin? And how do I see myself coming out of whatever this burden is on me? And the answer is is to persevere, which I know that that sounds really like, okay, yeah, of course, but, you know, really, like how am I supposed to do this? And, you know, there isn't an easier answer. The answer is to persevere. And I, I was just thinking about this especially in my experience, I think that giving up is actually one of the hardest things you can do for yourself because giving up, when you give up, it is so much harder to keep going when you try to keep going again. Right, and to speak to that more, it becomes it becomes a habit if you persevere or if you give up. So that idea of, well... I mean, I'll do it the next time I'm faced with a trial or whatever. I'll get through it then because things won't be as bad. That's that's wrong. That's that's the devil tempting you with laziness, really. Where it, it's not, it won't be easier next time. It'll actually be harder because now you've told yourself it's okay to sometimes give up. So then that's in the back of your head and that's pressuring you. So then the next time, it's actually way easier to give up because you're, you're thinking, well, I've done it before. So... It wasn't that bad before, so it's okay, and then it spirals. But if you persevere, even when it seems impossible, then the next time it's, well, I can persevere. I did it last time, and last time was awful. Exactly. I mean, it's like, I'll, br- I'll keep bringing him up. I don't care if I bring him up every week. Kobe, it's it's that. That's the mindset. <laughs> I, I, he, loves, he loves Kobe. He no, really I, does. I, I kind of think y'all saw it coming. But His dog is named Kobe, just by the way. Just wanted yeah, to add We that love him, there. Kobe. We love Kobe. Yeah. And we miss him. P- please pray for us, Kobe. <coughs> Anyways, one of his quotes is, um, pain isn't scared. If, like, if you're afraid of pain, it's it, it wants to hold you back. Pain wants to hold you back because it's it's scared that you will change. That's what pain does. You know? And along our journey we're going to be going through some really painful moments some really painful moments you know as a writer i've uh, i've imagined some pretty crazy journeys some pretty crazy stories and i think one of my favorites actually is the the story of a bunny and a butterfly and what that story has to do it actually has to do with me and Allie. and it was it was sort of a cute thing, like yeah, you could say this is kind of a romantic thing, but it's it's taken a turn that I just didn't really expect it to. In that 
it's something that I got like God kind of gifted me with this sort of story and this sort of thought and this sort of image of it because to me that's to each other that's that's kind of how we seem um, Ali is uh, Laura is a butterfly that fluts around so beautifully um, sometimes going into harsh places and I'm a bunny that hops around that is is just looking for the right place to dig looking for the right place to go and it was again it was really funny because as, as Ali was saying like sh when she first met me um, she found me on Instagram she just found me on Instagram and we we went to the same high school but and we knew well she knew my name I didn't know hers I, I like I didn't know she even existed um, I didn't know what you looked like, actually. I knew your name, yeah. but I didn't. I know Enzo played soccer, but I didn't know what you looked like. Exactly. Funny enough, we were probably in the same room quite often in the mornings. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was I was quite often in the library, and she my she half my first semester of my senior year, I was only in the library every day. Yeah, I was in the library wow. quite often senior year, and we I just, which is so funny. We have so many so like so many similarities. She used to wear a cap and a belt bag and I used to wear a cap in a belt bag so there's n and she's tall Shut I'm always <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> just I'm but she's tall and I'm always looking my head's always up and her head's always down but I, my head's always up so I notice people and I would notice like the same people over and over again if I walk past them even if it's a school of a thousand like I still on my normal course of where I walk in set hallways, I know who I will see in certain areas, and I never saw her. But for what it is, she added me on Snapchat through Instagram, and we, right after I got back from Rome, we kind of started just talking and just chatting about you know soccer and other things. And it was it was so funny because I remember like the third or fourth snap we were talking. I threw out the idea of uh, I like I said yeah I'm I'm a pretty heavy Catholic. And she, like, softly avoided it. But then I said, again, like, yeah, no, like, it's it's integral to who I am. I, I am Catholic. And she she took that on the chin, and she's like, okay, this is, this is a part of him. And she questioned it. Can I honestly say, at the beginning, when I knew, when I found out your, well, I, I knew, again, like, I knew from looking at your pictures, because if, if you go on his Instagram, he's visited, he's been lucky enough to visit lots of places um, to do with, you know, Catholic history and things. But I, to give you some information or more so context about myself is I grew up Mormon, but I was not, I was born and raised Mormons and it wasn't so much a choice for me. I never really identified at it. Like when people would find out, they'd be like, you're Mormon? No way. I'd be like, yeah, well, I'm, I, I, my records are in the church, but that's not really, anyways, no, learning this about you, at first I was like, hmm, well, hopefully, like, this won't get in the way, because, to be very honest, I was not living a very Christian life. I was probably, honestly, in all seven of the deadly sins, indulging in all of them, like, just... I know that's pretty scary to say, but I was not living, I was not living a good life. So finding this out was a, was intimidating, but I, I am a very accepting person, 
and naturally I do ask a lot of questions, so. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah, seriously, though, because it's led me to where I am now. In fact, like, I don't know exactly, like, how many weeks into, let me just be very honest here, Enzo and I started dating pretty quickly after we met. Our first date was pretty much, like, I don't know, like we were already in love. Certainly, certainly for her, that's, that's more so. Are you telling me to speak for myself? Wow. Whoa. Okay. Well, okay. It was, it's, it's <laughs> kind of hard not to. Here, it's kind of hard not to. That was, it was, it was incredible. But my point here is, oh, I was actually waiting for him to invite me to mass because I had never been to mass. Mormons, at least how I grew up, I'm sure it's possibly changed, but. My parents, I will say, did not know much about Catholicism, so it wasn't coming from a place of hatred. It was more so just misunderstanding and lack of information. Um, and they would say, yeah, Catholics, like, their God is really strict, and it's, like, not a very accepting environment, which is ironic coming from Mormonism. But, <laughs> but you never actually invited me to Mass. I was... I the did. One. I did. No, he didn't. Once. Was it was it was one sentence. It was no. one sentence. Yeah. I, I invited myself because I was waiting for him to and he didn't. Granted it could have been only like a one or two week kind of time period, but he kept telling me about this daily mass. Like this kid's going to daily mass. Are you kidding me? Which is great. Good for yeah. you. That's amazing. But it was that's intense, right? Like especially coming from someone who's like not living that way. It's like, okay, I kinda have a crush on this guy. I don't really know why. Because you're Catholic, like that's intimidating. But I asked, I was like, yeah, can I just go to a mass with you? And I went, and like you were saying, with, you know, not really knowing what's going on, I'm sure every convert has this story, but I was, I felt out, not out of place be, because I didn't feel accepted. I felt very accepted, more comfortable than I would have ever been in a Mormon church. But I didn't know what was going on. And there's all these words being said. Yeah. No, that w again, it was the same thing for me where I really felt, I yeah, it wasn't that I didn't feel accepted. I felt very welcome. I just thought I stuck out. Yeah, no, I felt the exact same way. I was like, I really hope people aren't looking it at me. It didn't help that we were sitting like in the second row. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I actually like sitting up close now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I Well, okay. I guess, yeah, you did invite yourself. But I was, it's because I was worried. Listen. I was really worried in my past relationships, even with Catholics or quote unquote Catholics, a lot of like maybe only one girl, two girls um, that I dated in the past actually stayed in faith. And I don't I hope I wasn't the reason that, you know, many of the others were or fell out of it because I have a very intense faith. And I have a very dramatic faith. I'll be honest, it's 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 intimidating. I I know it intimidates me to a very large extent. Your faith is extremely inspiring and I am essentially like a little you because everything that I've learned to do and the habits I've picked up are because of you. And he likes to call me super trad or very trad, a trad Catholic. And I, I wanna do a little callback here too, feeling out of place. I just want to say, for anyone who wants to go to their first Mass, and if you're worried that you don't know when to sit, stand, kneel, say something, don't worry, because for me, it makes me so happy seeing people who look like they don't know what's going on, because that means that they 
accepted the invitation to come, whether they were against it or not, whether they forced to come or not, it means that they were willing to be present. And that makes me very happy. Right. And that's that, like we said, that's the first step really. Absolutely. And once you're, once you're over that first threshold, once that door is cracked a little bit, then the it light starts, comes in. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, back to that, I- that invitation, I was, I was worried because like I said, a lot of girls seem to seem to go away. And I knew Ali wasn't, I knew Ali wasn't like in, she I mean, she wasn't really in faith. She didn't really have much. She, the way she described it was that she she had faith in other people's faith. Yes. That's something that she reiterated. She reiterated to me a lot, and I kind of laughed because I like I took that. I'm like, Lord, I see what you're trying to do with me here. I was actually also scared to go to hell. Those were the two things that I knew Ooh. is having faith in other people's faith and being scared to go to hell that I actually knew deep down that I do believe in God, but I didn't really talk to him. And secondly, also, like what, maybe three weeks after we had met, maybe a month, I went to my friend Reba's graduation kind of ceremony thing that they did at her church, and she is um, Protestant. And I just remember that drive home Actually, I was, I wasn't, I was supposed to go home. It was very late at night, but I just remember texting and him and just being like, yeah, this religion thing isn't for me. Like, I just left and felt so upset because I didn't feel anything. I didn't, I was trying to support my friend. That's why I went. But I, I, I wanted something to happen for me. Like, I wanted to be moved. You know, especially reading something like The Case for Faith, there's this, this atheist, right? But he admits that he wants to have faith because we are such happy people. And I told you, yeah, this religion thing's not for me. I'm going to my my church, which was the gym, where I mm. spent probably six days a week, anywhere from 10 p.m. to 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning, three hours every time, just killing myself in there. But that was my church, quote-unquote. You can't see it, but quote-unquote. Yeah, there's... And there's certainly that temptation, even once you're in the church, to create your own little... Because that was something I actually, I thought of, but that was probably my biggest hang-up for joining. It wasn't the, oh, why you, you worship the saints kind of thing. It wasn't that, which is the most common hang-up, yeah. I think. But for me, it was really, I really don't like... Uh, and I know scripture says many times that we are sheep, Christ is the good shepherd for a reason, and we follow. But still, just because of who I am as a person, I really don't like the idea that I'm joining some sort of congregation and that I'm an individual within a group. I really, which is something I need to overcome, but I want to be just an individual. And it's just me. It's just what I have discovered for myself or what I have built. Does it have anything to do with like any sort of, I'm sure it does sound stubborn, but um, to oh, not conform to maybe being, oh, well, I don't want to do this because the church told me I had to. Yeah, it, it definitely springs from that pride, which is the which is the root of all sin. Pretty much every theologian is going to tell you that. So that sort of individualistic thing, if we're not worshiping God, we are worshiping something. And we're worshiping something in a church. So like you said, the gym was your church or something like that. 
Whereas for me, it might have been um, like video games were my God or something that I was giving my time to instead of thinking about him or my reputation in school or my grades or things like that was what you could say you were making your identity about it. But really, it's whatever you devote yourself to is what you worship. That is what you're following. Mm. You can't really be that that independent, mm. completely individual idea that I find myself so prone to. The, the truth of the matter is it doesn't exist. Yeah. We follow something. Yeah. And if we think, oh, I follow myself. No, you follow your desires. Yeah. And you can't break from those, even if you try, if you're in the habit of following them. Yeah. So I was actually thinking about this in the car ride over, but with the... Where's the slaves to righteousness passage? Is that Romans? Slaves to righteousness? Yeah, where Paul, it's, it's definitely Paul, where he says, yeah. But we basically, humans and the way we work is we will follow something. And oh, we are, that's Romans. Yeah. yeah, we are slaves to something. Our choice oh, and our individual, what our, our role that we play is we basically just get to choose what we're assigning ourselves to. So are we going to let ourselves be thrashed around by our desires or are we going to go to something that knows what's good and best for us and submit to that? Yeah. And I, <clears throat> this is just amazing because um, when I was at Seek, you know, talking with some of the people that were from UD, Ali was there with me. One of the things that I pointed out that I found very interesting is that it is in human nature. It is in human nature that we try to find something beyond ourselves, always. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for the meaning of life, the meaning of the stars, the meaning of the sun. All of these things, all of these meanings that are beyond what we can see. And it's weird because it's almost like we have a sort of like, I'm sorry if this sounds inappropriate, I don't have a better word for it, but it's sort of like a fetish. Like we want to continuously try and go to it for some odd reason. It's weird. Like, why? Right? Reason tells you, like, what's in front of you is what it is. Like, things are truly as you see sometimes, right? Most of the time, your reason will, will call to that. But for whatever reason, we, lol, didn't mean to pun, but for whatever reason, we try to find something beyond ourselves. And there's a certain movie that, unfortunately, Ali doesn't really like. That can talk to it. Which one? Minions. Oh my god. Minions. Yes, because here's the thing, in the original, mo like the first Minions. Wait, not, wait, not wait. was the idea movie. that they're like serving something? Mm-hmm. Okay. They they try to find so many things and they call it boss. They call this boss. It was actually. That's as mad. a Minions hater. Let me pull up the deet or the the receipts from what was it like Minions Two or something where it does like the history of the Minions and they were like. Before they were worshiping Gru, right? It was it was just Minion One. Okay, Minions. Was it really? So there's oh, wait, there's oh, yeah, Despicable yeah. Me One, Two, and Three, and okay, then there's yeah, the yeah. Minions okay, movie. Okay, he's right. Sorry, I don't know my my Despicable Me <laughs> and Minions because I don't like them, but they do in their history like look for something to worship. That is a very interesting. Yeah, I hated Minions. Oh my gosh, I'm in the room with Minion haters. This is oh. That's an interesting point, though. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, with which is Minions so funny. Minions as a model for human anthropology. Wow. It's 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 so the funny you know. because I was literally walking into the restroom while saying this, and I was like, well, kind of weird. I don't know if Disney intentionally meant this, but like, well, it wasn't what Disney. 
is illumination. Oh, illum- or illumination and universal. Like, well, they probably weren't thinking about it, but like, or maybe they were. Maybe they were. I I don't know. But that's that's the thing, <laughs> right? Is we. <laughs> The way God inherently made us is he made us for relationship and he made us for something beyond ourselves, right? Like all, everything that we've been giving, all the blessings, blessings that we've had in our lives, including our suffering, including our blessings, including those times where we lose people and we just don't understand, right? Everything that God has put in our lives has been to bring us closer to him because God desires truly that state that we had when we were unfallen, a unity with us, love with us, to be unseparated from us. There's this one beautiful image that I, that I was gifted in a vision that God, God just asks, my child, why can't you keep your eyes on me? And honestly, this wasn't even in a vision. This was just an adoration. I was just, I was looking at the monstrance and looking at the body of Christ. And then I would avert my vision. I'd look down or I'd look to the side or I'd look at people in that room. And he'd ask me, my child, when will you just look at me? When will you just look at me? I would like to share a personal testimony with only staring at the Eucharist, it was Holy, no, Good Friday evening? No, No, Thursday, Holy Holy Thursday. Thursday. This past week. Yes, this past week. Um, So a little backstory, I left college last semester. There were the reasons, and I would love to go into them. I had a really rough semester, and I came home, but the biggest reason I came home was because I promised I didn't tell my mom this yet, but then I promised her that I would find an apartment because she wanted to move. And I didn't want to be the reason that she had to be stuck, which I'm absolutely not a burden to her, but I wanted her to move on and go move somewhere else. Like, I'm 18, 19 now. Um, So I've essentially been looking for an apartment for three, four months now without any luck. Living in Austin is extremely expensive. I'm super young. I make good money for my age, working in the service industry. But it, the I would be basically using half, a little more than half my paycheck um, every month for run, rent if I was to live here, even up, up north, 45 minutes. But um, so we went to this adoration, and I was, I was waiting for someone. I wanted to see someone because I, I wanted to invite them to my baptism, and I hadn't seen her in a long time. I hadn't seen her since June or July of last year, and I was getting worried about her because I texted her and she wasn't responding. And then, out of nowhere, she just walked in front of Enzo and I to go sit down. And I, like, literally jaw dropped. I stared at Enzo. I was like, no way. I didn't, we didn't talk, but said it with my eyes, like, no way. This yeah, is happening right like, now. She just, it's just a look of shock. Yeah. Like, utter shock. Like, truly, I was shocked because I was like, this has been heavy on my heart this week. And God just put, like, we we were in this situation. I didn't know we were going to adoration after so that we could see each other. And so I was like, I don't know what to do. She's praying. I don't want to interrupt her. I'm really not a fan of interrupting people praying. Um, no dig to Enzo, but he wanted to get out of there. And I was like, no, I have to stay here so that I can talk to her, so that I can invite her to my baptism, right? That was the goal. 
Okay, well, he was like, just look at the Eucharist. Just keep your eyes on him, and that's it. So I did. I, I for I don't even know how long, I just stared at it. Probably it was at least fifteen minutes. It felt like an hour. Oh <laughs> it was, and my eyes were starting to cross. I was staring at it so hard. I see out of the corner of my eye that she's getting up, and I bolted out the door with her. We hugged, caught up a little bit. I filled her in on what would hap- happened to me the past ten months, and she invited me to live with her for free. I was like. Are you kidding me? Like, are you being serious right now? Because this is the answer to my prayers. I gave up praying about it this Holy Week because I wanted to prepare myself for the baptism, but I literally have prayed so many times daily, like, please help me find an apartment, a place to live. And there it was. One of the biggest gifts I received this Holy Week. Yeah. Her name is Lilia, by the way. Credits to Lilia. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it just kind of fell in her lap. And it was, it was funny because I wasn't really in that. I, I was in an antsy mood by that time. Um, but I wasn't like, that wasn't my mood for the day. I was actually having an incredible day because I realized that maybe the, we'll take some time where we sit down after I sort this out and talk about how that Holy, the Holy Week experience went for me and one for Allie. But for now... Like, Holy Thursday, one of the things that I realized is, like, no, this is the feast that my soul has been so hungry for. Like, I truly realized that. Like, no, this is this is where I want to be. I want to be in that upper room. I want Jesus to telling me, do this in memory of me. This is my body. This is my blood. And as much as I can, I try to immerse myself every Mass to hear those words. And, you know, I close my eyes and I open my hands. But... That's like the hunger in my soul was made so real that Holy Thursday. I was just yeah. like, like, man, this is what I want. And this is what I get. You know, so when, when we went to seek Father Mike Schmitz during his keynote said something right before we started adoration in the stadium. He said, which I was talking to your dad about. He said this is something that he's only started like realizing, or maybe not just now, but recently, right? He's an adult. So I think that this is a very hard thing for people to understand or wrap their head around or practice. But when you go to adoration, it's not about getting something. It's not about receiving any sort of gift. And I was not expecting, I was just like, even before I saw Lilia walk in, like I was just there, especially after hearing this keynote from Father Mike Schmitz is to just be there and adore. That's the purpose of adoration is to adore. It's not to get anything out of it. It's not for you. It's for him. And that aside, I received one of the greatest blessings, truly. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you just don't really have any words for. Everything just falls in your lap. And I'm, again, that's one of the things is that everywhere in scripture, it's said, I don't know how many times at the Last Supper in John's account, Christ continuously says, whatever you ask of my Father through me, it will be granted to you. He repeats that, like, so many times. It kind of gets annoying. Like, John, we get it. But he knows. He's like, no, you, you, you really don't get it. Because the, going back to the author for the case for faith, an atheist, the way he looks at it is that he believes that there is a God, but he doesn't truly, he doesn't put his faith in it fully because 
of the things that have happened in his life, there's no way. Not just his life, actually. Like, it, like world events. Like, why is there hunger and disasters and all these things? That was the question for him. Basically, Job, with if, if Job didn't put his faith in God. Yeah. That's the way he looks at it. But he he misses that. He's, he's someone that would miss that part. He admitted that, that he missed it. Yeah. He admitted that yeah. he missed God. Hmm. But that specific teaching that through me you will be granted whatever you ask like it is it's it's a leap of faith it really is that's what that's what the mass is that's what the transubstantiation of the body and blood of Christ is from bread to wine if you don't realize if you're praying for a miracle if you're praying for a miracle to happen and you need proof of God Look no further than the Eucharist because if you go to Mass and don't realize a miracle is happening right in front of your eyes, you are overdue a miracle. And it's the way that Father Brian put it today for Easter Sunday. He said the way that we access his body is not just in the bread but more so through our faith. Luke, I'm not sure how it was for you. I would be interested to hear this. But for me, I I can see the future when I look at Enzo I, Enzo's eyes. I don't mean this even romantically. Sure, it's cute, right? Like, oh, I can see the future in your eyes. But I, I, I really mean that. I really mean that because even when we met, I knew that my life had to change. And I wasn't ready to accept that yet. But I really did want to be loved by God because, like, sure, there's sad Christians, but we're a happy bunch. We yeah. are a happy bunch. And I really wanted to have faith, but I didn't. So it's not – for people who don't have faith or don't know what it's like to feel it, it doesn't always feel like anything. It, for me then, it didn't feel like anything. It was just my yes. That's all it was. It was, okay, yeah, I'm going to have faith in this even though I don't feel anything towards it. I'm just going to try because I really do want the fruits from this. Right. That was <coughs> that. Yeah. I think it did ultimately come down to that for me too, where I, I tend to look at the, the logical or the debate side of things a little bit too much. And that was one of the things my priest, father David was so good about for me was he, he, he can have those discussions and he can have those debates, but he always brought it back to just, yeah, I mean, we can talk about this, but you need to come to church. You need to come to Vespers. You need to really experience it first. You need to do it. Right, you need to do it. They're not saying that because they want you to do this task. They're saying it for your greater good. Right, it's if because they want something good for you. Say yes. What was it, the thing that we heard the other day? Oh, in, in oh, what, what is Claudia from, oh. from the Claudia Passion. from the Passion. Um, it's the scene of, of Pilate and Claudia talking, which even though Claudia is not in the Bible, I think uh, Pilate's wife, Pilate, you know, Pilate's wife. Yeah. I mean, well, she is. She says he gave me this man gave me trouble in a dream. That's all she says in the Bible. But something that they added on into the movie or maybe it actually happened. Not sure. But Pilate asks Jesus, what is truth? Obviously, he's not given an answer in the Bible. So like the movie, you don't see Jesus give him an answer. And we, t me and Luke touched a bit on this when we in our episode of Truth, but then 
Pilate asks Claudia after talking to Jesus and asks her, do you, do you know what truth is? And she nods and she says, yes, I do. And he says, can you tell me what it is? And she says, if you have not heard it, if you cannot hear it, I cannot tell it to you. How remarkable is that? Essentially that if you're not willing to have an open heart, you won't learn anything. Right. Because you have to, it's, um, God can show you the door, you have to step through it. Or you can be shown the door, but you have to be the one to open it and let God in. Like he's, he's there, he's waiting, but he's not going to force himself. You have to accept it. And that's why that, that action really is what, um, is what Father David was stressing to me because I was, I was getting too caught up in my own head. And because I was caught up in my own head, I was blocking myself from actually doing the thing because I wanted to be, well, I have to be a hundred percent certain before I do something like this, this will change my life rather than thinking about it as, you know, you might know more about a thing if you're participating in it or if you're actually doing the thing or acting that will either reinforce or in some cases, not for the church, but there have been some things that I thought were good. And then after doing them and participating in them and seeing what they really, how they affected me and affected others, then I know, okay, that's a bad thing. Whereas for the church, I was unsure and I went to it and Every day, like if I woke up and I was super tired, I'd be like, man, I just really, I really don't want to go to liturgy today. And if I, I didn't for some reason, that day was always worse. And if I went through it, I was like, okay, no, you're fine. Let's go. Let's go to church. At that day was always better. So even just that really basic, okay, this is making me feel better. I feel healthier, happier, really. I'm in a better community. That's something that you really do want and you want to experience that. But it's only through that action and that, like you said, it's my yes that you really get there. Something that I learned in RCIA, like just a couple weeks ago, is it, it just kind of hit me. The only thing, if we are in our tomb, being misery and, you know, sadness, self-pity, whatever it is, of course it's hard to get out of that. I know that very well. But the only thing standing between us and happiness is Jesus, and he's at the doorway of the tomb. And again, to what you're saying about you have to be 100% on something before you can trust it or believe in it. I can't tell you how many times you've only known me. You've only known this new me, and he's pretty much mostly only known this new me. But I cannot tell you how many times I have like spoken things out of my mouth that I'm like, whoa, 10 months ago, I was on the complete opposite perspective not perspective opinion of these sort of things so by experiencing these things it has totally opened my eyes to mm -hmm. the truth and then also to kind of comment on something you said before where it's not because the, the way that we're talking about these things and like what happened to us it's not as if we didn't like have an action and it was like being brainwashed or something like mm -hmm. that it's it's a very active process it was my own choice. Right. Nobody told me that this is, like, I, I'm a very stubborn person, too. Yeah. And I have my own things that I'm stubborn towards a church about. But by having an open heart, which, by the way, how do you have an open heart? Just keep it, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind that I want to have an open heart, and it, it will happen as long as you believe in me. But through that, 
changed. It's what changed. It's not because somebody told me that this is how it is. I prayed for an open heart, and by my own experiences, I have created these new opinions, which are in line with what the church believes. If I can take that and segue this to a, a recall of our episode on truth there, talking about opening your ears, having an open heart, listening, even just talking about Pilate's scene. Let's bring it back to the verse from that week, which is John 18, 37. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king. Jesus answered, you say I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? Jesus, in that moment, it wasn't about, okay, this, you know, here's my direct answer for truth. He is the direct answer for truth. You know, I would say that Pilate heard his, heard his response, but he didn't listen to it. Because Pilate wouldn't really have a need to respond. Because the truth is in front of him. Right? And that goes to us, like, you know, in, in the end, if, it, if the truth is that we are to be, to, to recommune with God, right? Then, like, when we ask, okay, where are we going? <laughs> when we ask, where are we going? We, we know that. Right. And then also to maybe to tie in just with the exact language we used with Pilate, he may have. It might have been that same thing I was talking about where it's, well, I'm not 100% sure. So then that not being 100% sure means he doesn't act. So, again, tying what I was saying is you have to, even if you're not 100% sure, you act if you think it's something good. Pilate, because he wasn't 100% sure, he let that lock himself into just this state of, well, I'm not sure. So he, like, freezes. Mm. And his solution also, which we talked about in the episode about truth, his ultimate decision is not to condemn Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't want have in, to have anything to do with it. Ultim- before he even comes to that conclusion, he tries to release him. Yeah. He actually wants to but release him. But he's scared him. of the crowd. But he's scared. Right. So he, he lets that inactivity, and because, because he's not 100% certain in his own head, he just, I don't want to risk it. Doesn't do the action. He relies on his reason. Yeah, his own himself. Exactly. And, you know, when we look at it, we can ask ourselves and our own reason, you know, in, in regards to God or even just in regards to the world and the things that we do. And I think it was it was Luke that was saying, like, the things that you devote yourself to is what you make your gods. Right. I know for me, like, God is my God, but there are times where I've, I've put other things on a pedestal almost before him, from my soccer to relationships to school or um, anything that was just interfering with my life. And you come to realize there's a, there's a point where C.S. Lewis, he says that if nothing, this is not an exact quote, but he's, he says something like, if nothing in this world can satisfy you, then it is clear you were not meant for this world. Throughout history in the church of the Jews, we see that they constantly, there was, there was a time, I, f- I forget, I think they were in Babylon, and they said this this is not our home. 
and they complained about it. They said, Lord, this is not where we're, where oh, we're supposed yeah. to be. And, and the Lord was like, you're right. This is not where you're supposed to be. But that's where you are. Why? Can I just add, they actually wanted to go back to Egypt. Egypt, where they were living as slaves because they thought that that life of slavery, which find the mirror in this for yourself, was better than what was promised for them. Wasn't, wasn't that where they were wandering well, in the when, desert? That's when they were in the desert. That's when they were in the oh. desert. Yeah. That was when they were in the desert. Because they were wandering in the yes. desert on the way to the promised land, and they're complaining. They're, oh, we're going to die out here. We should have just stayed in Egypt. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. But back to when they were in Babylon, they were told to, God told them, he's like, okay, this is where you're at. Why don't you work the land? Why don't you have families? Why don't you create communities? This is where you are. He said, the Lord said, you're right. This is not your home. But this is where you are. And the Lord says the same thing to us. In our hard times, in our hard trials, this is not where we're meant to be, but this is where we are. I would like to share this scripture. It's my favorite one. I have a great personal testimony to it. Let me pull this up so I can read it better. It's Romans 8.18. I consider that the suffering of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. I would also like to add another one that just popped up here. It's circled in Ensa's Bible. We know that all things work for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And you know what this made me think of, especially for being a convert? You know, you know the, the meme of the mess around, find out graph? Yeah. Like however much you mess around, you'll find out that right. much. It's true. It's true. <laughs> With, yeah. If you, if, you, if you dabble and you inquire about the faith, You'll find some stuff out. In the right way. Yes, right. Yes. I would also <laughs> caution with that because the, d the same is true of evil. The more you mess around, the more you will find out about evil as well. And so. actually, it's, I would almost even say that in terms of evil, it's, it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. it's, it's easier. You don't have to work for it. It's That's convenient. True. It's convenient. Yeah, seriously. All the times that I you know, want to ask a priest a question, he's never right behind me for me to ask him. I have to go find him somewhere. It's super inconvenient that he's just not here for me to ask him right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but while we're on this journey and we know our destination, we know where we know where we're supposed to go. Like while we're on this journey, what what is it that we're what are the tasks that we have to do here? You know, what are what are the things that we need to do? For me, the way I look at it, this is something that I, I, I've said in my prayer. I don't know if this will actually come to fruition because I am not God, but one of the things that I pray about is that I might be the last person admitted into heaven so I help everyone else get in before me because I know where I'm going and I know I'm going to get there eventually. But I know way more people who are at jeopardy of not getting in and that, that scares me more than anything. I already trust, I already know that I am going to the Lord. You know, I don't know how long I'll spend in purgatory. I'll spend as long as I need to be there. But for what it is, I want others who, who have, I want others to experience 
the joy that I felt in my life, the amazing love and, and compassion and experiences and relationships that I have from the faith. I want other people to have that because it's what they're looking for. It's what they're looking for, and I know it. They look for validation. They look for confidence. They look for love. They look for acceptance. They look for self-validation, self-love, self-acceptance. And I've come to realize that it, it, and many others have, I think these, these other two in here can also speak to that. Unless through God, and we're still finding ourselves, but unless through God, we, that you can't even start to say, okay, I'm, tr I'm starting to find my true self because our truth is rooted in God. We are made in his image and his likeness. God made no mistakes when he made you. Sure, you're human. We were born fallen, so we make mistakes, but God made no mistakes when he made you. Right, and on that idea of like knowing your true self, with Augustine and any of the classics, if you read the Aeneid or things like that, when the hero or the main character or the author gets that self-knowledge or they really know about them, find something else or find something out about themselves, it's because of someone else. You need to have an external source to tell you the things about yourself that you can't see because no one can really fully know themselves without other people helping them. So in that way, we really do need that community and especially community with God who knows us perfectly, but community with others which is found in the church where that community strengthen, strengthens us through things, but through things like the self-knowledge and in other ways, where in order to really know yourself and give yourself to God, you need others to help you along the way and you need relationship, especially with him. I would like to add in that as a little disclaimer, it has to be the right people. It's hard to find who yeah. the right people are, but I can count on one hand the amount of friends, and my family doesn't count in those, well, the amount of friends who I have who didn't actually will the good of me, who didn't, who were either just saying things to please me or weren't good people for me at all to be around. It has to be the right community, which can be very hard to find it. I think the church is a great place to start because people there are very accepting. Um, but it is important where you confide. Who right. you confide in. Which we talked about in episode four, actually. Yeah. These, a lot of these bases are covered. And I think I also mentioned that there are some communities that aren't perfect. There are some communities that, you know, aren't going to be as accepting, especially within the Catholic faith. Like I said, there's always there's not always like a perfect community and and especially growing up in that community, it's kinda hard. You know, like you don't get to choose the family that you're born into and if that family is broken then you know it's really hard. Like dealing with that is is really hard, but it's a matter of realizing. Okay, even the communities that we want to accept, or not even the communities we want to accept, the communities we fully want to be accepted in, we have to realize this is not. I guess this is not my true community. Even if that becomes a Catholic parish, as hard as it is, I know countless of people. I've seen countless of testimonies on the internet who have fallen away from the Catholic Church because the community just wasn't right. And you know what? 
that's all right. Because bring it back to perseverance. That's not an excuse. There's no excuse to give up. You have to make a choice for what you believe in. Tons of people have done it in the Mormon church too. I'm sure everywhere else too. They hear something, they experience something, and they go away because they didn't like that experience. If it has to do with your faith, strongly encourage you to talk to many people, credible people. If you're going to go on the internet, use credible sources, not ones that are biased. I can't tell you the amount of times I've scrolled through Instagram and seen something about the Catholic faith believes this. And I'm like, come to his parents in tears about it because I was like, is this true? But ask questions. It's the best thing you can do. And so with that, just to bring it around, right? Ending at, okay, friendships, relationships, community, community within a journey, realizing that we are on a journey. We're realizing that we're on a journey towards God because it is in our human nature that we want to be, you know, we want to be in connection with something greater than us. How, if we believe that God is truly our destination, God is truly our God, how, how do we do that? Even in times when, like, to the answer the question, okay, how do I do that? Well, I don't know. This is, there's an answer that can always fulfill that question of what do I do? So, in John 13, 31, this is at the, the Last Supper. Jesus is talking to all of his disciples. Um, they don't know what's about to happen to them. So he leaves them with this. When he had left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will go look for me, as I told the Jews. Where I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that is the most important thing that we can do, especially in people's acceptance. People love to get offended so easily these days. Have love for one another and give each other grace. We all need it. All of us need it, especially in those moments where you thought someone should have loved you or you wish that they had. Be the bigger person and act in love as well because that is what we are all called to do, Christian or not. Of course, it's in the Bible. Christians read the Bible, but it is something that we should all do. I don't think we're headed anywhere good if we don't do that, which... Yeah, I mean, you're, you're completely right. Like, we, <laughs> it's the hardest thing for us to do. It's the hardest thing for us to do. I mean, I, I think I've talked about this before, about the importance of, of being able to forgive and being able to forgive those who have hurt us the worst. And if a Jewish woman could forgive a Nazi soldier for killing her sister right in front of her eyes, as, as, um, as hard as that is, as big of a wall that is to climb over, as deep as an ocean that is to dive and swim through, if she can do it, then why can't you? 
if Christ, if Christ's best friend, the person or one of his best friends, the person that he gives the keys to heaven to, if he denies him three times, the person that he trusts the most, the person that he trusts in the face of all his disciples to represent all of his disciples, the first pope, if Jesus can forgive the three times that Peter denies him, asking Peter, Simon, do you love me? Three times. In order to undo what he's done in his denial, the biggest betrayal, I, other than Judas maybe, and other than, other than Adam and Eve, but the, like talk about top, top three anime betrayals. Not anime. Jesus betrayals, but like, how could to say, to say, I will not deny you with full faith, full power, and full spirit, and to go back on those words and to still be forgiven? Why can't he? If Christ on the cross in the face of of everyone that put him there in the face of people who on Palm Sunday welcomed him in with palms and bowed, to, bowed down to his knees and said, Lord, calling him holy, Hosanna in the highest. Five days later, or three days, I don't know how many days later, but within the week, to be on a cross and to say, Father, forgive them. That means he's already forgiven them. He asks his father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's the key on our journey. That's what makes the journey worth it. That's what makes the journey doable is love. That's what the journey is about. It's about love. Ali was saying that you have to, that includes yourself. I mean, the commandment in the, in, in the gospel is love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. You're called to love yourself in a complete and full manner. That's how you make the journey for yourself better. Even as lonely as you are, if you love yourself, if you love yourself, then why would you wish, why would you tell somebody to, why would you allow your best friend to go off to that party and get drunk and get high and get wasted? Why would you allow your friend who would be yourself to hurt themselves, to harm themselves, to cut themselves? Why would you allow your friend who is in a loving relationship to indulge in, if you knew about it, to indulge in pornography or be abused? Because it's the same thing for yourself. You wouldn't wish that upon a, 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 an infant or a one-year-old child. So why would you wish that upon yourself? It'll only make that journey harder. Right, and to share an anecdote about this for me. There was 
<coughs> there was a, I, we were at a basketball tournament actually for state, my junior year of high school. And I was, I was, like I said, I was a junior, but I was one of the captains of the team. And there were a couple of seniors on the team, but they were all good guys. And there was, we were, we were staying at this hotel and it was the night before a game and we had game plan for a team. We were the four seed up against the one seed. So we'd game plan for them. We had a plan going in. We knew we were the underdogs. So we were, it had led up to this moment. Now, if we lost, it wasn't the end because there was a loser's bracket. But So there was one of the, the boys I was in a room with. Just he, It was strange because he was a senior, but he was asking for my permission to go to a different room. And no one had ever like asked me for permission for anything. I was just like, um, this is weird. But he was asking, I, I knew it was, it was another guy on the trip who I knew was like big into vaping. And he had brought vapes with him. And I knew there was a chance that the, my friend who was asking me that might actually be going down there to do that right before a game. But I didn't, I thought, well, I mean, he's a senior. I mean, what am I going to say? So I was just like, yeah, okay. Knowing he was probably going to do that. So I, I, I knew he was going to do something bad, but that the, the extent of the reason that it happened was because of myself because I was lazy and because I embraced that passivity upon myself just as much as it went on to him. Because in most cases, the friend wouldn't even ask, right? They'd just go do it. And if you weren't paying attention, that would happen. But it was even worse because he asked me. Mm -hmm. For some strange reason, he asked me. And I didn't have the common sense to think, you know, maybe I should, this is my place, I should say something. And that I, that's one of the things I regret most about not, and it wasn't just because I was a captain on the team or whatever. Any, any friendship, you have to lead your friend to what is good. And I knew he wasn't going to do something good, and I just, I, I, I did the, yeah. Right, and it was the team as well. It wasn't just for his sake or for my sake. It was also for the team. It was even worse where it was just that I'm not 100% sure, so I'm just going to step back. It's the same thing. It's the pilot thing again. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% yeah. sure. I'm not going to act. Yeah. I'm just going to – I wash my hands of it, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. When you can't, it is your responsibility as a friend to look out for your friend or look out as a teammate to look out for a team if you're on a sports team. But, yeah, that's, that's how it should be. You're trying to lead each exactly. other to the truth. Even if they don't end up listening anyways, it's still better that you would have said something. Right. Exactly. And again, pointing that back at, at you. That's, you need to do that for yourself. That's how you love yourself. Sometimes it's the thought of like, oh, okay, you know, it's like um, Luke was saying earlier about giving up. It's like, oh, it wasn't okay. It, it wasn't as bad last time. Is that this? Is that the standard you hold to your friends? And if that is, are you being really a good friend? Because another Kobe quote: "In our journey, every negative thing we face is all an opportunity for us to rise, and God calls us to greatness, to be as great as we possibly can." But yet again, Kobe reminds us, greatness is not for everyone. And that in order to be great, you have to take 
laziness out of your dictionary. Because if you are lazy, you won't get anywhere. Even in Dante's Inferno, the lazy, they don't even get a contropasso. They don't get a punishment. They don't go to a circle. They actually, they're like surrounded by fleas and they chase a flag repeatedly over and over hoping to, like, to catch nothing because they've done nothing. They chose nothing. They get neither heaven nor hell. They're undecided. And if we're to go on a journey, you can't be undecided. Your journey, to go on a journey, one, you have to make the decision to go on a journey. Two, all the decisions that you'll have to make as you go on that journey. But even if you don't start, or even if you just stop and decide, okay, I give up, you, you get what you choose. And to add on to that, well, also something worth noting, Pilate is in that circle you're talking about. Yes. So that, or well, quote unquote circle, it's not really a circle, but also with that idea of you have to start a journey. In, if you've read C.S. Lewis's Great Divorce, oh, the book. place that is the, the gray town or whatever it's called that the character starts in is either purgatory or hell based on what you choose. And for those people who stay and it becomes hell, it's just because they don't decide to go anywhere. They just stay in that indecisive kind of frozen, well, I don't know. So they just stay there. Whereas the people who leave and actually, you know, I'm okay, I'm going to set out on this journey. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I'm going on this journey. That's where... That those are the ones for whom they get to paradise or they actually change. You can't change if you don't do anything. You have to act. You have to remove laziness from your dictionary. Like you said, you can't just put something off and say, well, future me will, will do that. Future me will change. No, you change now and your, cha your choices or your actions now will set you up for either failure or success. Exactly. And whenever you don't know what to choose, it's like I said, that's why, I, you know, Ali gave the answer to that question of what do I do? I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And in making this decision to have faith, which I did not feel like I had any, it was literally a decision I had to make because I wasn't acting on my own feelings, which you also shouldn't do. Choosing God will never leave you, lead you down the wrong path. That was one of the biggest things I knew going into choosing to have faith because I knew it wasn't going to take me anywhere bad. Mm. Which, ultimately, like I read in Romans 8.18, the suffering that we go through now is nothing compared to the glory we are promised, if we choose. And like I will always say, and coming up for possibly one of our next episodes in the coming weeks is that love is a choice. Love isn't a feeling. And if I, me and Ali being in this wild relationship can attest to that. And I think anybody who's in a relationship with himself can attest to that because it's not all the time where we feel that lovey dovey, you know, cutesy, whatever, like cherry blossoms feeling. It, you, you have to choose it. If I'm mad at her or, if she's mad at me because we upset one another or for whatever reason, we have to choose to love. If something bad happens, you know, 
whether it's they made a mistake or whether something, God forbid, some tragic thing happened, you choose to love because love never fails. And with that, we'll wrap things up. Um, this is understandably a long episode. We apologize for that, but this is this is the Easter episode. This is the Easter episode. So we have a bunch of joy, just a bunch of love that we want to share with you guys on this wild, wild journey. At the beginning, we, we said that we hoped you would join us for this journey. And for those who have and still here and still listen to us, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But honestly, we just want to say that we love you guys. And he's risen. Hallelujah. <laughs>